Welcome. Glad you guys are here. Welcome to Mountain Park. My name is Alan, and I hope you got a chance to check out our new coffee area there over uh, as you exit to the left there. And uh, it's open. We're ready to go. Free coffee's available uh, every Sunday morning. Uh, free coffee, free coffee. If you want the floofy stuff with all the floofy whatever, <laughs> frappe whatever, uh, you're going to pay for that. And then uh, that all goes towards our student missions efforts. Uh, we are still trying to figure out what to call that area. Some of the final candidates are Mountain Perks. Uh, we're also considering, um, let's see, what's uh, Cup of Joseph? There's sort of a Old Testament and New Testament uh, thing there. Uh, Holy Grounds is a possible option. And then Hebrews uh, is another. <laughs> we, we're, we're not sure where we're going to land on that. But we're having a lot of fun. And so hopefully you will enjoy coffee. Please feel free to bring your coffee in and, uh, and enjoy the uh, celebration with us uh, at any time. If you are new with us, we are taking all of 2010 to go through what we're calling the whole shebang. It's the overall grand epic story of God. We're kind of taking a 3,000 foot pass over the grand story of God. And where we are right now, what we started last week, is a section entitled The Unwritten. And this is where our stories, our lives, our failures, our successes, they interact, they collide with the whole shebang, with the overall story. And so we're Handling this a little bit differently, instead of just you coming in and then you get a piece of paper that has some questions on it that you could perhaps process over lunch or talk with your family or friends or whatever, we're inviting you to be in what we call D groups, doing life together groups. And if you've never done this before, uh, this is seven weeks, now it's six weeks because you've missed one. So it's only six weeks where we're inviting you to process and think about this, this unwritten journey with a group of, of other folks and just kind of hear their stories and have a place to share your stories. So I want to let you know that some groups are still open and there's still some availability. If you haven't signed up yet, in the lobby at the info booth, there's some information there in terms of how you can still sign up for one of the D groups. And I encourage you and invite you to do so if that seems like that might be a, a part for you. We started the unwritten journey last week and looked at a great question from a great song. This is your life. Are you who you want to be? This is your life. You get one set of days. Are you the person that you would like to be? What I did is I introduced this, these uh, lamps up here saying that they represent a season of a TV show. So that uh, typically there'll be about 24 episodes in a season. So each lamp represents two episodes. And so what, what I'm trying to picture with these lamps is that they're also your life, that there are certain episodes that we have, way more than 24, but there is a start and there is a finish, there is a journey. And some of you, perhaps, are in between episodes six and seven. And so there have been a few episodes that have happened that have brought you to where you are. There are episodes that remain ahead of you, uh, things decisions that you get to make, things that you get to see and be a part of that are still in front of you. And they're all moving towards a final episode. And this here, this final episode, is what we're talking about this morning. Taking a moment to just stop in the journey, to stop whatever episode we're at, and just to say, just to imagine, what could this final episode look like? That's what we're doing this morning. If you brought your Bibles, I invite you to open them to 1 Corinthians chapter 9. Uh, Bibles are available in the lobby if you'd ever like to pick one up. 1 Corinthians is 
uh, in the kind of the early part of the New Testament, the New Testament starts off with Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Then it does the book of Acts, and then Romans, and then 1st and 2nd Corinthians. We're in 1st Corinthians chapter 9, beginning in verse 24. And I ask, as we read that, if you would stand where you are in reverence to the Word of God. We're gonna, uh, I'm going to read this with you, and I invite you to either follow along in your Bible in front of you, or the words will be up on the screen. 1 Corinthians chapter 9, beginning in verse 24. Do you not know that in a race all the runners run, but only one gets the prize? Run in such a way as to get the prize. Everyone who competes in the games goes into strict training. They do it to get a crown that will not last, but we do it to get a crown that will last forever. Therefore, I do not run like a man running aimlessly. I do not fight like a man beating the air. No, I beat my body and make it my slave so that after I have preached to others, I myself will not be disqualified for the prize. Would you bow your heads with me? Father, today as we talk about the final episode, I I pray that you would give us supernatural focus. I know we've come into this room with a lot of different things, a lot of things bouncing on our bouncing around in our minds, important things going on. I pray, God, that you would allow us to just think beyond today, beyond last week, beyond next week, that you would take us supernaturally to thinking about the final episode. God, would you take us there so that we can engage with the unwritten story in a way that would bring honor to you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks. Please be be seated. When my wife and I respond to our addiction of watching this, this ser- the 24 series, uh, see, we, we can't watch, we, we never watched them live. We never watched them when they actually came out because there's no way we're going to be able to wait. I don't even know what day they were on. Was it Friday? When was 24 on? Monday, thanks. Uh, there's no way we could have waited the week to watch the next thing. So we, we would just kind of hold off and then rent the whole season and then watch it in about three days. Uh, and then, you know, then drink a lot of coffee and, you know, the whole kind of thing. So uh, I know none of you are pagans like, like us, but, but uh, whenever I watch a series of 24, there's something really curious in me with regard to the creative process. I'm always interested in the writing of such a journey like that, that just to imagine sitting down with a group of men and women in a room and saying, okay, we're going to look at season 84 of this series 24. We're going to look at the season. We have 24 episodes. So 24 times, we're going we're gonna, we're gonna to take a break after about 42 minutes of storytelling, and we're going to have a big old cliffhanger. And then within each 42 minutes, we're going to take 12-minute breaks and have enough of a little bit of an interest peaker so that we can go goo, 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 and go to a commercial. Anyone tracking with me? Okay, so this whole idea of sitting down, having the whole thing laid out is really fascinating for me. I'd love to be part of something like that. Pretty fascinating. And as I think about writing episode 8, 9, or 10, one would have to think about the final episode. You'd have to think about where you're going. I mean, when you're thinking about this final duel between Jack Bauer and the ultimate foe in that season, you've got to think about how this is going to happen. Where do we introduce this bad guy? Uh, we, we don't want to introduce the bad guy in episode one. They never do that. They always introduce some 
some pseudo bad guy who gets killed later on, and then you find out, oh, he's not the real bad guy. It's another person who's the real bad guy. They never introduced a bad guy in episode one, because then you'd get bored of him by the time you got to episode 24. They never introduced a bad guy in episode 23, because you haven't had time to loathe him or her enough in order to want Jack Bauer to beat him. You've got to introduce the bad guy somewhere in here. You've got to kind of lay that whole thing out, and that whole process is rather fascinating to me. Fascinating to anyone else? Okay, okay, good, thank you. So, so if you can't write episode, uh, let's see, 2, 4, 6, 8, uh, 10, 11, 12, and 13, if you can't write episodes 10, 11, 12, and 13 without knowing where you're going in the final episode, isn't it reasonable to think within our own lives, whatever episode we are on in our own life, how can we know what we're supposed to do in episodes 10, 11, 12, 13 if we haven't thought about the final episode that we haven't thought about episode number 24 Stephen Covey says begin with the end in mind Stephen Covey of course writes the seven habits of highly effective people and habit number two is begin with the end in mind that if we put the ladder up against the wrong building every step we we take climbing up the ladder will move us further away from the goal we want in our life from what we're shooting towards. That it is super important in our journeys to take a break, to stop and imagine what the end is, what the prize is, what the crown is, what the final episode is all about. To imagine that so that we can move toward it. Because otherwise, if we don't, we will just run around aimlessly, as Paul says, or somebody else or something else or the circumstances around us, the media, they'll tell us what that final episode is supposed to be. They'll, they'll just keep on nudging us toward what they want it to be instead of us connecting with God and saying, God, what do you want to do with the episodes that remain in my life? It, that's, a pretty, that's a pretty important thing to take a look at. There's a book by Donald Miller. It's called, uh, I, can, I can never remember the name of it. It's like A Million Miles in a Thousand Years, or A Million Years in a Million Miles. There's, there's two numbers, and it's the word years and the word miles in it, if you're interested. So Donald Miller wrote this book, and I made our staff read it a few months back, and some didn't care for it so much. Some really loved it. What I like about the book is that it talks about the value of story. It talks about the value of the potential of our unwritten story, that our lives are writing out a story. And so what he says, he, t he talks about what, it, what makes a good story and that a good story is always going somewhere. A good story never just sits around for a chapter or for an episode or whatever and just kind of uh, meanders. I don't know, what do you think? I don't know, what do you think? A good story is always moving somewhere. An example, an example that he draws out is the intergenerational classic Star Wars that many, gen many generations have either been nauseated by or have enjoyed uh, for, for a number of decades. That in that movie, of which I am a fan, in that movie, you can pause the DVD at any point in the movie and you can look at whatever character is on the screen and know what each character in that scene wants. It's always clear in that movie who, is, who wants what. For example, I just pulled this off the internet. This is a slide from the first, the original Star Wars movie. Here they're in the Millennium Falcon. And Luke Skywalker is in the back. And he wants 
to get off of the desert planet Tatooine. And this is his first chance to go and explore the world and see what the world is all about because he doesn't want to farm with his uncle anymore. You've got Obi-Wan Kenobi. He wants to help Princess Leia because he's her only hope. He wants to help Princess Leia because he's her only hope. Okay, uh, then we have Han Solo. He just wants to make some money because he wants to pay off Jabba the Hutt, and he doesn't want to have that slimy tongue uh, slopping all over him. He wants to have that thing taken care of. And Chewbacca over there, he wants to please Han, and he wants dinner. He seems to be hungry all the time. That's the other thing. It seems to be uh, apparent with him. He's always uh, interested in having something to eat. Now, it could be that the frustration and the difficulty that we experience in life is a result of having no clue what we really want. That the frustration of, okay, what, what just happened today? What, what just happened this year? Is because we haven't taken the time to, to think about what, do I really, what am I really shooting for? What is that final episode supposed to look like in my life? What am I shooting toward? Let me go back with you to 1 Corinthians chapter 9. I want to read the verses that we read earlier. 1 Corinthians chapter 9, again, verse 24. Do you not know that in a race all the runners run, but only one gets the prize? Run in such a way as to get the prize. The audience for Paul here in this section they would have been very familiar with the Greek Olympic Games, the classic Greek Olympic Games. Corinth was a city, was a, was, was a Greek city. They would have been very familiar with this. And the most popular of all the events in the Greek Olympic Games was, were the running races. Because it's very simple. Everyone starts here, you go when they say go, and it's the first person to cross the line wins. That's it. There's, there's no subjectivity to that. And it's, it, is the it was the highlight of the Greek Olympic Games. And everyone knew that there's one winner. And it's that one winner who would win the prize. And what Paul is saying, he's comparing that to life and saying, run your race so that you can win the prize. The beautiful thing is, though, is that you don't have to compete with the person next to you. you you're not trying to win the prize so that that person does not win the prize. You win the prize that God has set up for you. And the beautiful thing is that each and every one of us can win that prize. It's not limited to one person. It's not limited to Billy Graham, who won the prize. That not everyone will win the prize, but the prize is available for all who say, I want to, to live the life that God is inviting me to live, the unwritten journey. I want to live that journey so as to fulfill what God is calling me to be a part of. Verse 25, everyone who competes in the games goes into strict training. They do it to get a crown that will not last, but we do it to get a crown that will last forever. Again, they're, they're, he's redefining what the prize is, what the crown is. I've been learning over the last few weeks a little bit more about what, what strict training means. Uh, a woman named Susan Loken came and met with me in Juneau about a month ago. And uh, she's a part of our church here, and she's involved with a ministry called Chances for Children. And uh, it's been about seven years or so where they um, 
do fundraising through marathons, through running events, to provide shoes for less fortunate children so that they can run and feel good about themselves. And, and, um, and they just pour into the lives of thousands of, of kids uh, every year. Great organization. And so, uh, in fact, more information about Chances for Children is in your program. It's on one of the, uh, one of the pages of the program you received in there and how you might be able to get involved if, you li if you'd like to. But Susan came in and in our office for the purpose of talking about reminding our church about Chances for Children and giving people the opportunity to participate. And somehow in that meeting, and I don't know how she did it, by the end of the meeting, she got me signed up to run a half marathon. I don't know, how, that wasn't the point of the meeting. I don't know how she did it. I'm quite confused because I don't know, if, that's a lot of work. That's a lot of work to run one of those things, to train one of those things. And what I don't quite understand is how to even describe the amount of work that it, it's going to be. Uh, because typically we say that things are like a marathon. We compare things to a marathon. We say that life is like a marathon. It's not a sprint. It's a beautiful little picture. And a lot of things are like a marathon. Well, what's, what is a marathon like? See, I can't even describe it. Is anyone tracking with me here? It's, it's a whole lot of work. What I'm learning in the journey so far after a month of, of uh, not wanting to get up in the morning is that the prize that you set out for yourself whatever you define as the crown, the prize, that determines what your training is going to be. That dictates what your days of training are going to be. So if your prize is to be a competitive runner, like Susan Loken, Susan Loken, she is in the process of, of qualifying for the Olympic trials. And she can run a two-hour and 44-minute marathon. That's running 26.2 miles at 6 minutes and 15 seconds each. An average of, I can't sprint that fast, and she can run the whole marathon that way. She is unbelievable. So that's her crown. That's her prize. She's trying to get her best time. So her strict training has to be shaped in such a way as to move toward that prize. She needs to know what the prize is before she can plan out the episodes that lead toward it. Now, if your prize with regard to a marathon like this is to finish the race and not at some point just veer off into the crowd, get into your car and drive home, which is basically my goal, if that's, then that is going to dictate what the strict training is going to look like. The prize shapes what the episodes leading up to the prize are going to be. Does that make sense? Great. Good for you over there. Awesome. Verse 26. Therefore, therefore, I do not run like a man running aimlessly. I do not fight like a man beating the air. I'm not just blindfolded and swinging at the struggles of life, and I don't know where this came from, and I don't know what's happening here. I'm not just running around aimlessly because I'm supposed to keep myself busy. Paul is saying, if you know what the final episode is, then you know in which direction you're running. You know where you're swinging. And again, some of the frustration we feel in life is that we've, we're, just, we're just running around. We're just going from episode to episode wondering, how, how, how did this happen? How did this last year get by me? And I haven't moved, I don't feel like I've moved anything forward. How does that happen? I feel like I've run around aimlessly sometimes. 
The Summer Olympic Games were in Mexico City in 1968. And for the marathon event, it was, it was over and done with. It was about an hour and a half after the marathon was done. The winner had taken the victory lap an hour and a half ago. Most of the spectators had left the stadium when a runner from Tanzania named John Stephen Aquari entered into the stadium. He was a good runner, but he was that far behind because he tripped earlier in the race and he completely gashed out his knee and dislocated the joint. So he's got his knee badly well, bandaged up. It is just bleeding. It is looking pretty terrible. And he's hobbling into the stadium and finishes his 400 meters before a very sparse crowd who's just kind of watching and cheering him on. There were 72 contestants in the marathon that year, 57 of which finished the race. This Tanzanian runner, runner was the 57th runner finishing the race. Most people had gone. A reporter came up to him later on and said, why did you do it? Why didn't you just get into the, into the ambulance? You had no chance of winning. Why did you finish the race? And he gave a classic answer. He said, my country, Tanzania, did not send me 7,000 miles to start a race. They sent me 7,000 miles to finish the race. There's a big difference between starting something and finishing something. I was trying to think of a, of a modern, of, of an even more modern experience of that. And the only thing that came to mind, for some reason, was, was deep sea fishing. And uh, if you could imagine, it's one thing to have a lure get tugged and then sit in the chair and then go, wow, there's a big fish on the end of the line to start that journey. That's one thing. It's a whole other thing to wrestle with that fish for two hours and 45 minutes and then to bring in a 480-pound blue marlin that looks like this, an 11-foot fish. I'm not sure if I showed you this last week. I couldn't remember if I told this story or not. So often we measure success by, by how, how by, the, by a fast start. By, we can lose the fish. No, thank you. Uh, so often we measure success by the start rather than by finishing well. The final episode is not about all the potential that you have or had. It's not about getting good grades and then being set up to have a lot of potential to do wonderful, significant things in this world. The final episode is about what we do with our potential, whether we're 10 years old or 70 years old. Paul says in Acts chapter 20, he says, I consider my life worth nothing if I don't finish the race, if I don't complete the task that Jesus Christ has given me. I consider my life nothing. Okay, so all these efforts of, of getting through this episode, this episode, this episode, unless I finish the task that God has given me. There's a big difference between starting well and finishing well. Now, I want to offer two suggestions. If you're interested today, if you're provoked in some way to think about your final episode, 
whatever your beliefs are in God, whatever your journey is with God, this is an invitation to think about your final episode. And if you're inclined to consider that, I want to offer two suggestions. One suggestion is that the journey between whatever episode you're in right now and the final episode, that journey must require your involvement. It must require you. Here's what I mean by that. Many would say that the right final episode would be one where we saw our kids graduate from college, get married to someone who's good or kind, and provide grandkids for us. Oh, that would be, that would be the final episode. That's all I want out of life. And many would hear that and go, oh yeah, that's good. Yeah, that, oh, that's, that's, that's all I want. That really is what I want. At my core, that's all I want. But you know what? All that stuff that I just mentioned, that doesn't require you. You have no control over those things. It, it, you could just sit in front of the television for the rest of your life and answer the phone to find out if those things had happened or not. You could just click, oh really? They got married? They got engaged? Great, great. I'll call them back when, when the show's over. I'm watching 24. Do you understand? Those things, that's not a great way to define finishing well. Instead, what is God doing in your heart? What is God saying to you? In what way is God requiring you to be involved? You see, sometimes I think older parents need to get off the backs of their kids with regard to them getting married them having children so that you can be a grandparent that's their life that's their story it's not your story let that be their story what is God doing in your life in your heart sometimes as parents we run the risk of defining our final episode or the goal of our life having everything to do with our kids Kids, 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 all about what happens to our kids, 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 kids. And how, how could someone challenge the value of wanting to pour into your kids? But just think about the numbers, the reality of it. If this is your life, and there are 24 episodes, each lamp represents two episodes, then the time where you're with your kids, living with your kids, forming and shaping them, that's six episodes. It's three lamps. It's, it's right here. It's just a section right here. But... If we live life according to the plan outlined uh, in Scripture in terms of having a mate for life, then that relationship will go on for 18 episodes. And that relationship requires you for the rest of your life. It requires your involvement. It requires you for the rest of your episodes to make often unselfish decisions. It requires your involvement it's most of us who most of us would say with regard to my final episode I want to be a good spouse and I want to be a good parent those are great 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 things but I think one is more important than the other your being a good husband a good wife takes precedence over your being the mom or the dad that you want to be and I believe that so strongly because, because that is the relationship you will continue 
to be involved with for the rest of your life. And the best way you can love your kids, whatever age they are, is to continue to love the one you're married to. As we think about the journey between now and the final episode, it's got to require your involvement. Not just watching what happens in other people's lives. Okay, the second suggestion as you think about the final episode is that the journey between now and the final episode needs to be bigger than you. It needs to be bigger than you. Because again, there is a very understandable thought towards the final episode to say, I just want to die happy. I just want to, at the end of my days, I want to be smiling. I want to die happy. And that's, that's, a reasonable, that's a reasonable thought, absolutely. But it's small. The bar is lowered to say, I just want to die happy. Because it's not just, the final episode is not just about your happiness. It's not just about your bucket list. As great of a movie as that is and, and the desire to bungee jump, that's great stuff. And it's also not about your legacy. It's not limited to you. It's bigger than you are. See, Paul understood that his crown, his prize, his, his final episode, his goal in life was to spread the message of Jesus Christ to the Gentiles, to those who were not Jewish. Paul's role in life was to spread the message of this Jewish man named Jesus who was surrounded primarily by Jews, had 12 Jewish disciples. Paul knew that his prize, his goal, his final episode was to send that message to those who were not Jewish, to the Gentiles. That's a big goal. Can you imagine if your final episode was bigger than your happiness or your financial security? Can you imagine if your final episode was bigger than having family and friends gather around for your funeral and say, wow, he was swell. She was really nice. Can you imagine having a final episode where people, maybe that you don't even know, people in this church, people in this community, in this city, people around the world would say, my life was transformed by the power of Jesus Christ because of him, because of her. Can you imagine? So far, a lot of this has kind of been, kind of been theoretical, and, and I understand that we're, talking, we're lighting up lamps here. I get that. So let me just break this down to something really practical. I want to I just tell you four things that I believe are, are, are part of my final episode, what I'm shooting towards, just as an example. I just felt like I wanted to share that this morning, just to kind of give some practical language to this. A number of years ago, before I even came to Phoenix, I had a spiritual retreat. I just spent time with God, and because I, I, I took this question to him, and I said, God, what, what do you want to do with my life? What, what, how, do, how am I supposed to walk out the rest of my days, etc.? What, what am I shooting for? What's the prize? What, 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 what am I doing here? And through journaling, I believe that he uh, uh, outlined four things. First of all, I want to um, live a life where my wife knows that she's radiant. 
what I mean by that is that it is my job and my job alone to be the one to remind her that she is beautiful, that she is interesting, and that she's valuable. And though there are plenty of days, plenty of days where I am nowhere close to being that guy. I don't want to paint a false picture here. But my hope is that at the end of my days, my wife would be able to say, that's who my husband was. Secondly, I want to live a life where my kids want to model after me. Let me, let me explain what I mean by that. I, I had a seminary professor named Gilbert Stafford, and he was a great, I say was because he died two and a half years ago, and I was pretty close to him and his family, so I went up for the funeral, and I know their story uh, pretty well. Gilbert Stafford, an amazing, amazing, amazing Christian man. And oddly enough, he had four kids, and one of his kids was just a wayward son, just wanted nothing to do with God, nothing to do with the church, absolutely disinterested in the whole thing. Real smart guy, just had no interest in the whole deal. The interesting thing is that this son chose that not because of his dad. In other words, it wasn't that he didn't want to follow in the footsteps of his dad. In fact, it was the other way around. He was so frustrated with people in the church who did not have the integrity of his dad. He said, if everyone was like my dad, I could be a follower of Christ. But he saw such hypocrisy in his experience of the church. He said, I just didn't want to be a part of that. Now, I think it's an honoring thing to have a son who is struggling in his his relationship with God to say, yes, I'm still working this out, but dad, the one that I see every day, I see how you treat mom, I see how you live your life, see what you do in the morning and how you go to bed. I still respect you, and I still want to model my life after you. I, I can't force my kids to believe what I believe. That's the beauty of love. It's the beauty of a decision that every person gets to make in terms of who God is. I can't make them believe in God. But I want to live a life where, they, where I would have enough integrity where my kids would want to model something after the way I lived life. Number three, I, I, this has to do with my occupation and a, and a call to ministry is that I, I get very excited about people developing good habits for life. Now that one there, I, I think it's, it's still getting unpacked and unraveled, and I think over the years I'll understand more and more about, about the, the idea of good habits. But basically what I mean by that is that as a pastor, I don't, I'm not that excited about, about you be, being informed. I mean, as far as the teaching thing, and here's the whole shebang, and here's, it, it's not just about you getting information. That's why this series is subtitled Being Transformed by God's Story. Because the hope for me is that we would become people who are, who are developing habits in terms of connecting with God, developing habits in terms of how we respectfully communicate with the, with the people that we care about, developing habits in terms of living generous lives so that we could have habits that outlive Mountain Park, that outlive Ahwatukee, habits that are a part of our lives for the rest of our episodes. That's pretty exciting to me. And the fourth thing is that I want to live a life where my God in heaven is proud of me. And it's just as simple as that. Is that is, is I want God to feel great in as much as I could understand God feeling great. I don't know what that means. But I want God to feel great about the decision to allow me to be a dad and to be a wife and to be a pastor. I want God to say, I'm proud of what he did with that. 
That's just some language around what I want my final episode to look like. You can adopt, adapt, whatever, any of that. Take some time, I encourage you, to think through what your final episode is all about. Where, where are you heading? Have you ever taken an hour and just sat with a journal and just said, where, where am I heading in life? What, what, do, what do I want the end goal to be? What do I think God wants the end goal of my life to be? I encourage you to do that. I hope that happens. As William Wallace said, he said, every man dies, but not every man truly lives. Right? I mean, this is at the time where he's dying at the end of the movie. We all are going to come to that final episode. We all are going to come to that. And some of us are going to come to that place after having run around aimlessly for many, many, many episodes, and it's going to be scary, we're going to be uncertain, and we're going to wish in that moment that we had prepared more. And then some of us are going to come to that final episode, and maybe it's going to be way sooner than we think. Maybe it's going to happen next week. Maybe you're not going to be able to see your kids have kids. And if you don't, that doesn't mean you have lived a useless life. Please understand that. Maybe your final episode is going to happen way sooner than what you had wanted it to. Or maybe it's going to be 75 years down the road and someone in this room is going to hold a record for living the longest. It'd be awesome, right? Maybe. <laughs> but whenever that is, there's others in this room who are going to come to that place with a great and wonderful sense of peace. Knowing that they have for years, for episodes and episodes, been moving toward something they believed God was calling them to. That they have had some kind of sense, some kind of intentionality to say, I want to finish well. So the whole shebang story is about God sending his son, Jesus Christ, to have a, so that we can have a reconciled relationship with God. Jesus Christ did not come and die on a cross so that you can start your life well. He came and died on a cross so that you can finish well with a restored relationship with God so that you can love God and love others and be at peace. Would you pray with me as we close, please? Father, I pray for anyone in this room in a small or large way who's inspired by you this morning to want to think about the final episode. God, I pray that you would allow that to happen. I pray that you would meet them in that place, that there would be supernatural encounters as a result of the invitation to think about the prize, the crown, about finishing the race, finishing the task that you have before us. God, I pray that if that happens, either individually or as couples or in, in our D groups, God, I pray that it's not a heavy, heavy death feeling and conversation. God, that it would be an exciting opportunity to think about what you want to do with our remaining episodes, however old we are. God, that you would inspire us to good conversations and good thoughts this week that bring glory and honor to you. In the name of Jesus, we pray.